Welcome to the Infinite Global Podcast. Today's episode continues our series exploring perceptions and perspectives in the UK pension sector. The following discussion was taken from our latest webinar, exploring what's in store for the sector in 2022. So uh, welcome everyone to uh, this Infinite Global webinar on pensions, uh, looking at perceptions and perspectives for 2022 and beyond. We have three uh, fantastic panellists with us uh, uh, today who I'll introduce shortly, and they'll be exploring um, how to better engage people with pensions and why it's such an important uh, communications issue. Please feel free to drop uh, questions uh, that you may have uh, into the chat and we should have some time at the end uh, to hopefully answer those. So we all know that even within financial services, um, uh, people have a real blind spot uh, about pensions. Um, it's seen as being particularly opaque, impenetrable, um, complicated um, and, and jargon. Um, now this really matters uh, because, you know, with the demise of uh, final salary pension schemes that guaranteed a retirement income for life, the introduction of pensions freedoms for the over 55s, and also the introduction of auto enrollment for everyone in work, and we're all having to take more responsibility for our retirement planning. And increasingly, more people's financial well-being in retirement is, is therefore determined by the performance of, uh, of the stock market. And yet the level of knowledge and understanding about savings and investment is, is you know, alarmingly low. There was a poll out the other day uh, of a thousand uh, people who were asked what their pension pot was invested in. Was it invested in the stock market? And only a third of them said it was. Um, a, a, another third said, they said, no, it wasn't. And a third didn't know. Um, so for all the considerable benefits of pensions, there's clearly a lack of interest and confidence uh, in, in them. So as a result, as our recent pensions report uh, found out, there's a worrying lack of engagement um, um, uh, in, in, in pensions um, and also a lack of contributions, particularly from the, the private sector, uh, which, which uh, compounds the issue about people not saving enough for their retirement. So as communicators, how do we best address these issues? How do we make investment in general and pensions in particular more relevant? Well, with me today, I'm delighted to say we've got three experts in the field who um, kindly contributed to our pensions report and who have uh, uh, strong views on this subject. Um, Lindsay Cook is a campaigning journalist and broadcaster who writes the uh, Money Mentor column for the Weekend FT. She was the first woman to be appointed business editor of The Times. In fact, I think the first woman to be appointed business editor of any major newspaper uh, and also the managing editor of uh, Express Newspapers. Um, James Daly is founder and managing director of uh, independent consumer finance group Fair Finance, uh, which he set up in 2014 to help rebuild trust in financial services. Um, he, uh, like Lindsay, is also a former colleague of mine um, when he was personal finance editor at The Independent. And Anthony Morrow uh, is, is a former client of mine and near neighbour who uh, co-founded and is chief executive of Open Money, a Manchester-based uh, fintech um, which is dedicated to making finance more accessible. He's a regular 
media commentator on the importance of quality financial advice and education. Um, could I just start uh, the session off by noting that our, our, uh, our survey found that 55% of people don't even look for pensions information from any source. Um, what do you think is putting people off uh, engaging with the subject, given that pensions after property for most people is, is, is probably their, their, their biggest asset? Lindsay, would you like to uh, get the ball rolling on that one? Yeah, I'm not sure they don't want the information. I think it's just that they can't get it. Um, lots of people um, try and get information from their pension administrators and they send voicemails, emails, or letters, anything, and they, they just don't get answers. Um, so that's one problem. Pandemic has probably not helped because a lot of people have been furloughed or whatever because their pensions were not seen as essential to the running of a company. Um, also, there is an absolute fear of the fees that will be involved. You know, when you're told it's going to be two to three percent of your pension portfolio, um, that is a lot of money. Um, and people wonder whether it's worth thousands of pounds to get a two or three page report that doesn't actually tell them much that they didn't already know. Um, and so that there's a problem. Within companies, again, pandemic, and I'm giving them an excuse because it was going bad before, but pandemic, um, people are concentrating on getting the business done. And therefore people within the uh, pensions team, finance department, main management are not concentrating on it and finally auto enrollment it's regarded as a great success 10 million people now have pensions many of them didn't before but what i'm seeing is quite a few of the people who've got auto enrollment pensions now are at companies that used to offer proper pensions that used to pay up to 20 percent per employee and now they're paying three percent um, and that, that's an improvement on 2012 when it was launched, but they're paying 3%. The pension scheme member is paying 5%. And it's as if it's uh, an off-the-shelf thing. There's no one to talk to about it. There's no instant advice. And therefore, um, where do you go? Yeah, and we'll come on to the role of uh, employers um, uh, a little later on. James, is, is, that, is that your uh, perspective on, on, on why pensions are such a, a turnoff for most people? Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with a lot of what Lindsay said, and I, and I think so starting with auto-enrollment. Um, auto-enrollment, you know, as the name suggests, is a very passive experience. Um, you know, you get a letter in the post saying we started taking some money uh, and stuck it in a default fund. It doesn't encourage people to engage with their pension at the moment it started and, and start thinking about how much they need to save and, and planning for their future. So the whole journey of pensions begins very passively for most people. Employers, um, most employers, not all employers, but most employers don't lay on any kind of workshops or, um, you know, introduction to pensions events to get people thinking about that. Uh, and so, you know, for a lot of people, uh, you know, it's something that, that gets started, a letter they don't read. Um, and then, you know, it's probably not until they're in their 40s, sometimes even later when they start to have their first actual thought about, hang on a sec, what have I got? Um, am I saving enough? And, and at that point, 
um, you know, the answer is, well, actually, you haven't got quite enough. You haven't been saving quite yeah. enough. Yeah. Um, you've probably been paying a bit too much. Uh, and so, you know, that's when the problems begin. So, you know, it's all the more a problem now in that there are so many fewer good pension schemes out there, as Lindsay mm. said, uh, and that, you know, classic auto en enrollment sort of small company pension schemes are, are not massive um you know com compared to compared to what used to be out there so 20 or 30 years ago so um you know i i think that's one core thing i mean secondly i just think culturally we don't invest as much in the uk as they do in say america i mean you know it's very common in america for you know e even people in their early 20s to have a few stocks to be looking at the market investing um you know we don't do that we don't talk about money very much in the uk it's a bit grubby uh, and so, um, you know, I, I think that that whole conversation uh, in, in America, particularly, just starts a lot earlier. People start talking about money and what they're doing with it and how they're saving it and what they're investing in. Uh, and we're starting getting a bit of that over here, but, but perhaps not in, in quite mm. the right mm. way with sort of the Robin Hood world and, um, you know, younger generation investing in sort of high, higher risk propositions on the market, which I'm not sure is is quite the same as long-term pension savings. Mm. So, um, yeah. You know, some issues for us to solve, I think, in the UK. Yeah, and and, and Anthony, I mean, people who come to open money for uh, for advice, I mean, how how large does pensions loom in the, in their considerations? Well, a large part of the people who come to open money, who are you know typically under forty, you know, small, early stage investors. <laughs> wanting to know what to do, um, will have their pension provision met through their workplace. So actually our recommendation around, you know, our pension is very much around trying to engage more with your workplace pension, trying to get, trying to understand a bit more about what your employer offers, as you know, James is saying there, that actually I'm, you know, as far as auto enrollment's concerned, you know, I think, I think it's been a fantastic success in terms of getting people into a pension uh i think the scale of what was trying to be addressed is pretty pretty vast particularly when you when you think that the you know vast majority of employers who are providing pensions are very small you know the idea of a pensions department or the idea of these employers you know paying for external people to come in and provide workshops and that is you know, even in the best of times, would be quite, you know, quite ambitious commercially, as you know, as was said earlier, a lot of these businesses, particularly now, you know, are simply trying to be in business, you know, you know, yeah, yeah of course, it's very important that these benefits are provided to their employees. Um, and, you know, but whether or not the, you know, the level of contribution that their employees are providing is, right for them to retire in you know a few decades time it probably isn't high in the you know on the list of things that these employers are uh, are, are looking to are looking to do and you know the answer to that you know is one that we've spoken about you know for a long long time in terms of how we engage and how do we educate uh, investors and you know for me you know education is part you know is part of the solution um, but it's you know it's not going to be a silver bullet that's going to see you know see it all solved anytime soon. Um, so you know I think 
the next stage of auto enrollment you know really needs to try you know if there, if there is indeed one uh, is that you know there needs to be more work done around engagement you know apart from it just being a box ticking exercise which it is for a large number of small employers and quite rightly you know it would be very you know in my opinion it would be very difficult for you to or for for for, for, for you know obligations to be imposed on small smes to you know take responsibility for their employees i mean it'd be lovely if they could do it but imposing it in the same way that you know 15,000 employee business with a pensions and benefits department you know it's a very it's a very different thing and unfortunately the vast majority of people work in the former so you know there needs to be some thinking around that and the providers the provi- you know the providers you know need to do more around that you know at the moment you know it is very passive and you know they get people signed up and they take the money and they take the contributions and and there is an annual statement and there is a you know web portal that probably has very small engagement levels in there but it doesn't really matter because you know they're just getting paid by the contributions so you know there's not yeah not a huge amount of incentive to do anything more than they than they are doing so um you know i think there is definitely plenty more that can be done um and is it, i suppose the issue here is around trust isn't it as well if if, if people are reluctant to to engage that they'll they'll do so on a very selective basis with with people or institutions that they, they feel they can confide in who can advise them appropriately and interestingly employers you know um tend to be more trusted than say um advisors or or uh, policy makers um even though with the, with the closure of you know defined benefit schemes uh, you know, and, and, and the introduction of auto enrollment, they've offloaded all the investment uh, and, and sequencing and, and longevity risk to 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 individuals. Um, how, how, how... Sorry, I mean, just I think one of the other issues around uh, this for a lot of employees is there's a you know you you mentioned about the level of education, but we're also sat against a. Um, uh, a backdrop of really high personal indebtedness and a ridiculously low number of people who've got more than 100 quid sat in a bank account. You know, yeah. so you know, there's a very real question around affordability. Yeah. And of course, we were only talking about private sector here as well. So in in, in, in the public sector, uh, uh, people don't have to worry about in, in, in the investment risk that comes with, with their pensions because it's mm. underpinned by the taxpayer. Absolutely. Um, so, looking at the role and responsibility of private sector em- 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 employees, they clearly have a, a a big part to play in communicating clearly and concisely uh, about pensions. Do Do you think they're doing that effectively enough, Lindsay? You, you seem to think that, that, that there was more that they could do. I absolutely do. Now, it's nice that we can think about the old days, but we used to have. Um, employers getting information from the Pensions Association or whatever it was called. Now we've got a Pensions and Lifetime Savings Association and their job seems to be mislead people who are in pension schemes. They put out an annual uh, report which says, oh, you only need 16,000 a year to have a basic 
retirement. And if you want to go on holiday abroad, you probably need 23,000 a year and things like that. And they, they don't include the idea that people might be paying rent or be paying a mortgage. You know, they've got 40 year mortgages now, people start mortgages later. They're not living in the modern world. And so they give, you see that report and you can have a wonderful, wonderful life, I think for 37,000 a year. Um, and I want to know where that world is because they really are not up with the times and their role now um, ought to be um, helping the smaller employers, etc., to provide information for their members. And, and, and they're not doing that at the moment. There's, there's more that they could do in that area. There is more than can be done in that area. And yeah. I, I know that people in pension schemes, um, they take it takes forever if they ask a question. If it's not one of the frequently asked questions, if their mm. circumstances are slightly different, um, <laughs> you, you, you don't get the information. Um, websites have got a paucity of information. Um, yes, you get your annual statement. They tend to come rather late nowadays. Nobody, it used to be, you get it a, just after the year end. Now it's months later and you have to think about looking for it. So yes, pandemic has caused some of that, but I think no longer having responsibility for a deficit means that most private sector companies don't care about the pension anymore. Sign mm. people up, job done. Yeah. yeah. James, is that, is that your, your experience in your consumer campaigns around pensions as well? that there's more employers could do yeah i mean I, i've always thought that the, the key to unlocking um you know a, a better more engaged um pension sector was was lying through the employers um i remember when the torreson report was done um 15 years ago looking at sort of how we could bridge the financial advice gap in the uk um, and, you know, what came out of that was the money advice service. And I always thought it was a missed opportunity that that actually uh, instead we, we could have plowed those resources into enabling employers to provide more advice and information for their um, for their staff. Because, you know, Anthony mentioned education and you know, education has to be part of this this picture. Of course it does. Um, but I don't think that's in the classroom. Now, I think it's too abstract uh, for, you know, a 16 year old to kind of get their head around long term savings planning. You know, that they're, they're not even in the workplace at that moment. Yeah. They're not even managing day to day budgets. Um, but, you know, once you're in the workplace and, you know, now you're, you're being auto enrolled into a pension, that's the time when the employer could be engaging. Now, you know, as Anthony said, that's very difficult for small and medium sized businesses. You know, I run a small business. Um, and, you know, we absolutely don't have a pensions department, but, you know, that's something that, that could have been set up perhaps in place of the money advice service. And, I, I you know, I, I've, I don't know how widely the money advice service is used in terms of you know, people actually picking up the phone. And there's, there's obviously lots of great content online there, but there was already lots of great content online from people like Witch and Citizens Advice. Um, and, and they're all still there. But what we don't have is know an easy way of smaller medium-sized enterprises getting that kind of financial education and, and training into the workplace uh, and using that that moment of auto enrollment to get people thinking about how much they need to save at, at the earliest age um, and not just pensions protection as well you know 
um, yeah. as, as a chronic lack of protection uh, in the UK. You know, most people don't even have three months savings and, and are basically just keeping their fingers crossed that the worst doesn't happen. Um, Absolutely. And so, you know, there are, you know, there is a role for government to play here. And, I, and I, it's always baffled me a little bit that, um, you know, they haven't been more on the front foot in supporting employers to, to, to create a more resilient workforce, because presumably there will be lateral benefits for the whole of society and resilience of our economy if people have better pensions uh, and more income protection um, and life insurance and, and all the things that, you know, only a minority of people have at the moment. Um, but but it's not going to happen spontaneously, you know, that there are, and, and, you know, of course, the issue is, is that I don't think that many young people are running around sort of demanding great pensions from people, you know, it's sort of almost fallen off the, the radar, you know, I think yeah. it starts to become, you know, for, anecdotally, friends of mine who are in, in um, the civil service, if they're leaving the public sector, they are thinking very carefully about what they're going to get that's going to replace that brilliant pension that they're letting go of. Um, but I think you know most young people are not thinking about that. So um, we need to find ways to get that conversation started earlier, uh, and that has to be driven by government. But there are, I think, really, really good benefits for the whole of society and the resilience of our economy if the government does um, try and grasp that nettle. And, and Anthony, James mentioned there that you, um, you know, engaging uh, younger people earlier. What, what's the what do you think the role of technology here is, as well as as an enabler in that in that uh, function? Mm. Well, I mean, it certainly you know helps in terms of scale. It helps in terms of uh, a medium in which your audience is you know consuming information. Now, you know the the phone is the go to place, so. You know, your ability to engage and provide, you know, suitable content in a form that people want to want to receive it is going to is going to be vital. And I think that's, you know, that is a challenge for pensions, you know, going back to what we, you know, the conversation when we started, you know, it's pensions are just a, you know, has a pretty staid reputation in terms of how it is. And for younger people, you know, you're you know these people have got lots of things that they're needing to save up for they're probably getting squeezed in terms of their you know cost of living and the idea of save you know they're probably wanting to save up you know not for a house or you know or something like that and the idea of putting money away over and above what your employer is putting away for a long period of time you know 40 years whilst you know obviously the benefits are are obvious but they're not particularly obvious if you're a 25 year old that's you know got a number of money things and you're going to put you're putting more money in that you you know you're not going to be able to see for you know thick end of four decades yeah so yeah. that trying to get that uh education uh piece going back to that uh and and using technology to do that is going to be is going to be vital plus going back to the you know the point we've all made there that the scale of the problem you know to tens and tens of millions of people you know the use of technology is essential you know there's no other way it's going to be it's you know it, there's no other way it can be done um you know it certainly can't be done you know face to face um unless we're you know we're still here you know in the next millennia and looking over the last year um are there any sort of 
positive signs we've been fairly downbeat so far technology might 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 help but um we need more education um and and people just still aren't engaged in anything like the way that they perhaps should be particularly in later life um are, are there any sort of encouraging signs you've seen over the last year in terms of uh developments that make you think well hang on things are getting better rather than uh, staying pretty pretty lousy <laughs> well i think i mean if you look at you know, in, and clearly, I'm not a massive fan. But if we're looking at it from an engagement point of view, then if you look at the sort of incredible success that a lot of the trading apps and a lot of investment apps have enjoyed over the last eighteen months, uh, now whether or not you think it's you know a, a step away from gambling is a different thing, and you know what what people's intentions are, you know people are engaging are engaging with that through the phone. It's very easy. They can buy stocks. They can buy you know whatever crypto turns out to be, um, you know, they can do that. So, you know, there, there, there is a, there is a conversation going, you know, it's probably not the, it's not an ideal one, but it's, it is something and it's a lot more than, you know, perhaps the case was two years ago where, where people's engagement on anything investment was, was negligible. And looking ahead then to next year and, and beyond, what do you see as the, the opportunities for, for providers, administrators and employers to, to engage better with, 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 their, with their members and, and pension savers generally? Lindsay, do you want to take that one? Well, I, I hope we will be getting back to a new normal. There will be more people, whether they're working from home or working in offices, there will be an effort to... Um, strengthen the team the employment team and this is an opportunity for pensions to be part of it um, people being part of a company being part of a business they've survived and now is the time to build on that and pensions can very much be part of that the education thing about particularly for young employees compound interest compound um, investment start early you don't need to start with much money just that very simple message is there. We don't anymore have four times um, death in service benefits and things like that, which were the big selling point I can remember to young mm. people when, mm. when um, some years ago. That was, oh, I can protect my family if I have joined the company pension scheme. I have worked for companies where um, trustees have said, we ought to uh, say, get people, new starters to, to join up in the pension scheme. And a bit expensive let, let them let them find out about it and <laughs> so there was, there was already a decline it's not just a 2021 situation and we have had incredibly low interest rates yes markets have done well but markets are very volatile and therefore there is a worry about um drawdown there's a worry about um are people put into default schemes um and they miss out on investment performance at the vital time in their pensions all these things people need to know about uh, and where did they get it from you don't go to a broker to get that information no. um, there's not a lot out there uh, pensions aren't sexy enough you, you don't you don't see stories in in the weekend press saying so and so joined his pension in 1967 and now he no. can afford to go on cruises twice a year or whatever it is but <coughs> That is is good. It, it's um, there needs to be more generic information with specific answers there for people who need them. 
James, is, is is that your perspective as well? Well, I mean, just to, just to go back in terms of sort of thing, more positive things that have been, um, yeah. you know, happening. I'm, I do think that, um, you know, the, the regulator has been pushing down on charges and that is starting to have an impact. Um, you know, these assessment of values that, um, you know, fund managers now have to produce justifying the charges that um, they are charging are forcing them to have some very difficult conversations internally and there have been lots of people moved into um, cheaper share classes and um, so you know we, we are seeing kind of continued downward pressure on charges and and, and and I think you know that's a good thing there's more protections coming in to try and prevent um, pension scams um, so you know around the kind of you know the edges of um, pensions there are some positive things happening but of, of course you know, we're mostly talking about engagement today, and uh, you know, I don't, I don't think there's been anything sort of game changing there. But, but you know, I think there is an opportunity next year in that we are we are at full employment right now. Um, you know, the the job market is awash with jobs. Um, you know, I'd say as a recruiter, it is impossible to find anyone at the moment. I mean, honestly. You know, I, I've got adverts, I put adverts out for jobs that I would normally have 50, 70 applications for, and I'm getting three, you know, that, that everybody moved in the summer. There was this sort of big sigh of relief, like, great, the pandemic's ending. We're all going to move jobs and life will go back to normal again. And now it's impossible to, to recruit. So it does mean that there's wage inflation. Uh, mm -hmm. and, in, and in that conversation, you know, I think employers are, are forced to look at their whole benefits package and, um you know hopefully that's an opportunity for them to think actually maybe we could sort of sharpen up our our pension offering here um and, yeah and we'll see a bit of competition in, in that regard anthony are you optimistic about uh, future developments in terms of you know closing the this gap uh that we're seeing in, in terms of engagement and, and obviously knowledge and advice as well yeah. Do you think that yeah, I think, well, I think so. I mean, I think I don't think it's going to be a particularly quick journey, but, you know, it is improving, you know, and, you know, we're learning things in terms of how we speak to speak to customers. I mean, one of the ironies is that, you know, as a result of people not really understanding what a pension is, what their pension does or having tremendous financial literacy, all the work that's been going on around charges and low charges and that, you know, is almost lost because people don't necessarily even understand what those charges are or whether a charge is low or high or how it or how it compares and you know there's certainly a lot of work i think that some of the findings on that value for money the fund management value for money piece which was pretty damning i think um shows that you know it's a it's a two-way sort of street really for all the you know let's try and get the customers more you know, in, in a position where they can make more better, better informed choices. But I think, you know, the industry needs to do a lot more to, you know, to take on a bit more responsibility to ensure that, you know, those customers and those people are getting really good products, um, you know, that are, are, are value for money and not just, and not, you know, and not just running on the basis that a customer will take what they've got and, you know, apathy kicks in. Yeah, I mean, one of one of the tactics that um, providers have, uh, and to be fair, the media have used in in, in the past to 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 engage uh, uh, 
customers and readers is is um, is shock tactics. So you know, mm. uh, scaring people, you're not saving enough. Um, does that work, or is there a place for that? Do you think, Lindsay, in in in, in terms of uh, getting people to focus on on how important pensions is? I think one of the problems is for young families in particular nowadays. Um, if they're lucky enough to have got onto the mortgage market, they've probably got long mortgages, um, their energy costs are going up, or childcare is phenomenally expensive. Mm. There, is, there isn't much spare at the end of a month. Now, yeah. many years ago, it was compulsory to be in your company pension scheme from the age of 21. People didn't like it, but they didn't see the money, and it, it just went in, um, and they were final sal- salary pensions, Um, And people didn't move around so much. Now you have people moving from job to job, keeping trace of their pensions is going to be difficult. It's going to be worse. I mean, now I think people have an average of eight employers during their lifetime, uh, working lifetime. That's going to be worse. Um, When you're trying to get a job, you don't look at how good the pension is, mostly, um, unless you're in the financial services sector and people then recognize the benefit and what it's giving them or if you're a higher earner, you probably recognize that. Um, But for most people, it's survival for a very long time. And at the moment, we've still got the baby boomers who are going to be leaving the social care apart, going to be leaving their homes to their children. This is probably the last generation of people, workers, who will be rescued by an inheritance so that that will rescue them for their retirement. So it is almost grandma's pension mortgage she's had her mortgage she's now going to provide you with your your old age income but that has to end and we have to have a a grown-up conversation about how people are going to survive at the moment and I'm I'm talking probably of southeast people there because they have the houses etc it's different up in red car etc and their expectations of retirement income are lower than ours Um, but it is something that needs to be addressed and there is a tipping point coming. And if you have lots of small pensions or some jobs without pensions or some black economy jobs, and we also have this awful lump of people who are um, in their 50s and 60s who have been outsourced. They are doing jobs for companies, but they're no longer employees. They have nobody to pay into their pension scheme. They don't have spare cash to pay in. So they have probably five or 10 years when there's no money going into a pension scheme for them and they're just crossing their fingers and hoping it all goes okay. James, do you, do you think shock tactics work when it comes to, to, to scaring people into saving for, the, for their retirement? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think they do. Uh, I think you have to kind of, you know, bring it to life for people. Um, and, uh, you know, I think there's a, a real lack of, for want of a better phrase, public safety advertising around um, financial services. You know, we we invest in, you know, warning people to be, you know, drive at 30 miles an hour and explain very carefully how, you know, that statistically has a uh, has a chance of hurting somebody less and all the, you know, and drink driving adverts. Um, but, you know, you see almost nothing around financial services and pensions. I mean, I think it's getting on for 10 years now since since we had I'm in, uh, you know, workplace pensions adverts were on the telly. But 
you know, it needs to be a perennial, doesn't it? You know, there's there's another generation coming through all the time and you can't just kind of do a public safety advertising campaign once every 10 years and, and remind people. You have to try and bring it to life. And, you know, as I said, I mean, I think that that's one tactic you can use. It, it would also be, you know, as I say, better if uh, the government was also forcing it to be brought into the workplace. But again, you know, somebody standing up there and explaining to you, if you put this much into your pension, this is roughly what you're, you know, you're likely to get out at the end of it. Uh, but if you put this much and you start now, this is what you'll get. You know, I mean, especially having that conversation with a, you know, a 23 year old, there's an enormous difference, isn't there? You know, between, you know, putting 4% in your pension and putting 8% in your pension and, and what that will do over the next 40 years. It's, and I think helping people understand the sums of money that they're aiming for, you know, it, it you know, I mean, Lindsay's talking about, uh, you know, 40,000 being a kind of modest pension income. Well, you know, if you want 40,000 a year when you retire, you know, you're going to have to have about a million quid in your pension pot. So I don't think most people appreciate that that's the kind of sum of money that, that they should be aiming for, you know, think, oh, well, a few hundred grand, I'm sure I'll get there. Um, so there are some harsh realities that need to be kind of brought home, because I think everybody has that realisation at some point where you suddenly go, hang on a sec, I've got, I've got to have a million quid, you know, mm -hmm. that, um, and so actually the, the earlier you can hit that home to people, uh, the greater the chance. And I mean, we, you know, we haven't talked a lot about, um, you know, debt that Anthony mentioned earlier on, but, you know, I think young people leaving university with 30, 40, 50,000 pounds in debt, you know, are often thinking, well, that's my priority. I, you know, what's the point in saving for the future while I've got all of this, but you've got to have those two things compartmentalize. Um, and if nobody's having that conversation with you and saying, look, yes, you do have to pay your student loans down, but actually a large chunk of that might be written off anyway, but um, you know, nothing is going to substitute uh, you know, the, the, the requirement for you to have saved for your own pension. The later you start, the harder it's going to be. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I, I think we do need to be sort of playing that message to people in stereo because we know it's not it's not a conversation people really want to have. Um, and, you know, even the odd public advertising campaign is, isn't, isn't going to cut through unless people are sort of hearing it two or three times in lots of different forums. One Andrew, of the problems, sorry, one of the problems is that younger people have lower wages. I mean, I look mm. at people doing jobs that I doing jobs now that I did 20, 30 years ago, and they are pound for pound earning the same. So they're on a lot lower wage. We've got, yes, we have a minimum wage, but try living on it. Try having a pension as well on that. And so people's wages last 10, 12 years have not kept pace. I don't know what they were doing before that, but wages aren't enough. So if you are earning 15,000 a year, you just can't um, pay for a proper pension in 40, 50 years time. And if you don't have a career path, which people used to have, we used to start on very low wages and then get up there. Um, now people start on, start a jobs last till you're 40 or 50. And therefore, there isn't the opportunity to build a pension office. It's surviving until pension age and then mm. um, seeing where you go. And I see people who say, I've been in my pension so long. Um, and they say, if I stay working here for so many years, I'll have a 100,000 pension pot 
when I retire? What's that going to get me? And I say, well, by then, interest rates will have gone up. You might get about 5000 a year on top of your state pension. And our state pensions are very low. Um, and they think, is it worth it? And, and it is low paid workers um, are going to be the biggest victims of the, the whole pension thing. They're in the auto enrollment. They're getting 3% of very little. Um, and mm. it's not a long, a good future. Anthony, do you find that with when when talking to clients that um, sometimes it's accounts of despair when you when they set their financial goals that uh, you know, the, the the penny drops how much they really do need to set aside uh, savings and pensions? Yeah, I think I think for uh, certainly a lot of our customers, retirement is a you know something in the distant, uh, and you know my view is that pensions will play an important part but will 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 largely be a a small part of the overall solution for someone as to what they do as they get older you know the whole idea of this sort of retirement age and a cliff edge where you know you go in for the last day and you walk out and that's your i think that's you know increasingly less common and that actually what you know how people adapt as we live longer uh what retirement actually means you know probably driven by financial need but also driven by the fact that um you know people you know people potentially have got a long time retired um so that whole idea as to you know later life and how and how it's funded is is changing and and i think pensions will play a part in how people prepare for that but you know i think for most people it's not going you know there's going to be a combination you know less likely you know lindsay was saying around property for people you know people retiring in 40 years you know you know how is that going to be you know are people going to retire in 40 years you know when they're in their 60s or are they just going to continue working for another you know you know albeit on a you know maybe a different job or part-time or lower hours or something or something like that because it's not going it's not going to be a case that you get to an age and suddenly you've got a pot of money that you're going to rely on to to fund you know whatever lifestyle it is it is that you want you know that's you know and i think the scare stories you know obviously you know you see them and you say you know you've got to it's got to pay 800 pounds a month Otherwise, you're going to end up, with, you know, living in a skip or something like that. <laughs> you know, yes, well, you know, it piques the interest, but I think I think most people will will think actually, you know, we we need to get them planning and thinking around not just pensions, but their their finances as they go through, uh, you know, different ages and different responsibilities. Because Lindsay was saying, yes, people, you know, people got families to um you know look after and and they're responsible for buying a house and mortgages and all of that lot so actually as as important it is to start putting things away in in pensions you know pensions is competing for that cash with quite a few things with a much more immediate need um you know so that i think maybe the framing of the the question is around you know what is what is retirement going to be for you and how you know how are you preparing for it yeah and pensions need to evolve um as as 
people's retirement journeys evolve. Um, yeah, I mean, I would. I mean, my, 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 I would much love to combine the pension and the ISA, and you have a single, single, you know, account. Pretty straightforward for most people. You know, well-priced default funds will be enough uh, for them. And you know, you know, we've got however many types of ISAs we've got. You know, it's just you know, it's crazy that we're we've got you know all these different types yet. We're, having, we're also having a conversation saying people, you know, don't even know what a percentage is. You know, it's, it's you know, it sort of contradicts itself. And, and, and that's at the, the door of the providers, isn't it? Uh, in, in that sense, of it, that they're selling products to people who don't necessarily even have the first notion of what it is they're, they're, they're buying. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I've spent years going on about that. <laughs> Lindsay, um, with your readers at the FT, um, you, do you find that pensions is something that they struggle to to grasp more than other issues in, in financial services? Are you, uh, you know, is, is it something that um, surprises you, or, or is it completely understandable given given the complexities involved? Um, I don't think it's a, a big issue. I. Our readers have more difficulty, I think, with credit cards and understanding when they're going to be charged and when they're not, um, because they don't and they can't believe that the charges are quite so high as they are. Um, Our readers also will tend to be um, better paid. They may well be in companies that will have, um, even if it's defined contribution, a better contribution from the employer. And they will have a knowledge and they may have some spare cash to put into their pensions. An awful lot have SIPs. But the amount that is in ISAs is unbelievable. I I hear almost every day from people who've got around a million in ISAs and they're complaining about little things that have happened to them. But that is their supplementary. They have pensions on top. So they are not your average person. And I, yeah. I think that pensions should be providing for people who are on the average wage or a little below. And the average wage is still only about 30,000. And you start trying to pay mortgages, childcare, mm. energy bills, fuel costs, all those other things out of 30,000 a year taxed. I know you get tax concessions on pensions, but it is. And one thing that comes across from younger people is they don't want to put money in a pension and then it'd be locked away if they have an emergency or they could move to a bigger house and they can't get hold of that money. And so the fact that pensions are not accessible until you're 55 or, um, and there are all sorts of tax implications if you try and take too much from your pension pot and they say, that's my money. Um, And so Mm. the the, the product isn't fit for purpose really for the vast majority of, of people. Those who are earning, the people, the biggest pension question I get is on the lifetime allowance. And it annoys me because these people are complaining and saying, I'm going to have to retire early because I'm going to be over a million pounds. And so I'm going to become a locum or I'm going to, uh, and head teachers are very good at this. I'm going to stop being a head teacher and be a consultant to my um, county council on education. Um, so, you know, lifetime yeah. allowance is the biggest problem. 
for better off people. James, isn't this um, also an issue for the media? Um, If you read the personal finance pages, uh, not not just the FT, uh, but more generally, um, the issues that they're talking about and, and the audiences they're addressing are actually quite narrow they're not you know that it's 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 quite a minority sport still on the whole and i know um, you know personal finance has become a much bigger issue now around you know around wider consumer matters but traditionally you know that that's been the bread and butter of personal personal finance sections in in newspapers talking to you know the wealthy few really um and 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 the mass affluent uh, as well but actually not really speaking to you know, large numbers of people, particularly younger ones. Yeah, I mean, that you know, the kind of people that read the personal finance sections are sort of almost hobbyists, aren't they? I mean, yeah. you know, uh, they're interested in the topic and they, they seek it out. Uh, you know, as as uh, in my, you know, time on the, the Nationals, the number of times I wrote a pension story for the front end of the paper, I could count on one hand. I think I did have one pension splash which was, um, you know, when they when Adair Turner announced auto-enrolment. Um, but, you know, news editors didn't want to write about it because, you know, the public as a whole see it as um, the biggest turn-off. You know, pensions is almost synonymous with boring, isn't it, to, to the general public. Um, so, you know, it's a bit chicken and egg, isn't it? You know, I don't... Um, as, as I said earlier on, you know, there's a sort of cultural issue there, I think, about... Uh, how we deal with money in this country and and the widening advice gap and um, you know I I think as I say the change is going to have to be driven by government because there's only so much the industry can do I mean in the end the industry will always look after itself first you know if if you're a pensions provider you know the, the most important thing is you get people in the door and you know that's done for you um, and, and then, you know, you don't want to spend too much time writing letters to them, telling them to save more because, you know, they're probably not going to do it anyway. Uh, they're probably not going to open it. Um, you know, the majority of stuff that sits around pensions, as Lindsay said earlier, is incredibly complex. Not much effort has gone into trying to simplify that and make it engaging. And there's no real incentive for them to, um, to do that because people don't want to read it anyway. Uh, so, you know, how do you change people's mindsets? Um, you know, that has to come from, from government. I mean, I think, you know, the, 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 the underlying sort of economic issue we talked about here is, is a tragedy, really, isn't it? You know, that, I mean, where we are in terms of wages now compared to, um, you know, particularly the US, uh, it's just been a complete lost decade. I and mean, Lindsay's absolutely right. You know, take, take real starting salaries today, you know, pin that, go back sort of, you know, 20 years ago I mean honestly like when I, I started my career in uh, 2000 and um, you know the starting salaries today in, in real terms are less than that I remember writing a letter to the press association's managing director telling him that his starting salary was an insult um, because uh, you know we'd all invested in postgraduate courses and were very well qualified and why did he think he could get away with paying people 12,000 pounds a year well you know now some people are getting paid even less than less than that in real terms, and mm. it, it, that is a real problem that we're storing up for the long term. Here. And if if um, the role of the personal finance media is is, is is quite limited, what about the role of of um, 
these so-called fin finfluencers, um, you know, on TikTok and, 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 and Reddit who are providing financial advice to their followers, uh, obviously, you know, younger followers. Um, is, is that a, a good thing or should, should we I worry about it a little bit. I, mean, the, the, you know, I saw a promotion recently for um, free trade where, you know, Rita Ora was saying, if you open a free trade account, you'll get entered into a prize draw and you can come to my gig. And I don't know, it didn't feel right to me. Like that doesn't feel like how the conversation should begin about pensions. Uh, you know, we probably do need some kind of sexier advocates for long-term savings, but I don't think, you know, it should start with prize draws. Um, you know, it's almost sort of moving towards the, you know, too close to gambling and, and chance, you know, actually, you know, there isn't a lot of, there is a little bit of chance, but actually start saving young, save enough, invest it in a, you know, standard um, default fund. And, you know, as Anthony said, you know, it, it, it's not magic, is it? It's, it you're going to have a better outcome than somebody that, that does that, goes through that 10 years later. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm a bit nervous about uh, about the, the role of kind of Instagram and, um, and you know, influencers in terms of financial services I, I think it has to come from from the government and you know we haven't talked about the fact that you know trusting government is also an issue here isn't it you know the government has the power to move the goalposts on pensions and and they do um and you know you look at that from the from the beginning of the whole process and start thinking yeah, do i really trust that they're going to they're going to look after me here, you know, or are they just going to make me lock up my money and then change the whole game in, in 30 years time? Yeah. This, this constant tinkering and changing of pensions ministers. I think there's the average about one a year or something. Uh, Guy Offerman's doing quite well, actually, in terms of yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the actual pensions minister, but yeah, certainly secretaries of state seem to come and go. Just finally, I'm conscious of, 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 of time. Um, again, going back to engaging uh, younger audiences around savings and, and, and pensions in particular, um, what about ESG and, 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 and climate change issues? Um, we hear a lot about that uh, recently. Will, will this help to increase engagement, the sense that you can use your pension to change the world? I think that's really exciting. I, I, I was going to say, uh, you know, actually t talking of sort of influences, I mean, okay, this is a bit, um, this is a bit for old, for old people, I suppose, you know, but Richard Curtis is out there on the front foot at the moment, isn't he? You know, he's set up Make My Money Matter and is trying to mobilise companies and governments to make sure that people's funds are invested more sustainably. You know, um, I, I love seeing that, you know, a, a sort of, um, somebody from the world of celebrity turning their attention to pensions in that way. And I think there is an opportunity to, because, you know, more and more young people are very engaged in environmental issues um, to get them sort of thinking at the earliest age that, um, you know, actually uh, there's an opportunity to use, you know, that money that is going from their auto enrollment uh, in a more positive way in terms of how it's invested. And then that could be the gateway to a, to a bigger conversation about and are you investing enough and, and have you thought about all yeah. these other protection needs i think that celebrity voice is interesting and we see every weekend 
in the Sunday papers, celebrities being asked about their money and their best <laughs> investments and their worst investments. And there's always a question, should you be in a pension or should you put your money in property? And I yeah. would say about 70% say, oh, property, haven't had a pension. Um, do you have any stocks and shares? No, 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 I haven't needed that. My royalties do that or whatever. But that is every weekend reinforcing to people that you don't need to have a pension. Mm. And I think that's so, I mean, you know, I think the property growth that people have seen over the last few decades doesn't help that because, you know, people generally see that, you know, they're seeing this, this asset, you know, a tangible asset that, you know, and they're seeing the, you know, the price and the value of that rise far greater than, you know, perhaps what they you've seen either in a small pension or, or, or something like that, that they don't really understand. And people understand bricks and mortar, don't they? You know, insofar as they can see it, touch it. Um, you know, and clearly, you know, it's, you know, you know, right, right or wrong, you know, people, you know, move towards what they're comfortable with and what they, what they understand. And if they don't understand it, then people tend to shy away from it. And it just goes back to that point with, I think we've, we've said several times today that, you know, pensions are just complicated. They're considered boring. People don't understand them. Um, you know, and you people don't understand a lot of finance, but they certainly don't understand uh, much about pensions. And you know, all that added together, then it's you know, it's little wonder people go for you know, will we'll go for something like a you know, rental property or something like that. Yeah. And I am seeing a surprising number of young people who are, because interest rates are so low, that I know they're going up a bit on mortgages now, but are taking, uh, buying a buy-to-let property, and they they will say to me, oh, the mortgage is so much a month, um, and I'm getting three times that in rent. Yeah. And so that that is, you know, if you've got other costs to consider, um, and there is a prospect of capital growth, they young people haven't seen property prices falling. Um, they think they only go up. Um, and so that is, a consideration yeah. yeah yeah i think we're just about out of time um but thank you uh lindsay james and anthony for a, a really fascinating session we covered a lot of ground uh, i'm not sure we covered everything uh, in, in an hour i'm not sure that would be possible um but it's been it's been a really really uh, fascinating discussion so thank you very much indeed for your time and indeed for people uh, taking the time to uh, to tune in as well you've been listening to the infinite global podcast for more information about infinite global please visit our website at www.infiniteglobal.com where you can also download a full copy of the pensions report referenced in this episode.